0: So, it's come to my attention uh, that we have a little bit of trauma that we need to work out here. Um, it's going to happen from time to time on this podcast. We've got to work these things out, we've got to reconcile with them. Maria, I understand you had something particularly heinous that you saw happen on the road recently.
1: You would be absolutely right. It was awful. It was actually last summer, um, and I was driving down a highway in my town. And I'm looking off to the side of the road and I see this thing and I at first didn't really register what it was, right? I know it's roadkill. What kind of roadkill? I have no idea. We've got coyotes. We've got all these kinds of different roadkill around. This happened to be a deer and this deer, I don't know how long it had been there, but if you've ever seen like at a party, you have a balloon, right? You have a balloon with confetti in it and people will pop it. The confetti goes everywhere that sort of idea. This deer had been sitting for a very long time in the Indiana July sun and had blown up to three, four times its size and it just couldn't handle it anymore, right? So I'm like, as I get closer, I see this deer. I'm like, oh no, what am I about to witness? And right before I get up next to the deer, it starts to like quiver almost. And this big blown up deer, it looked like something, if you've ever seen Shrek, it looked like the animal balloons in Shrek.
2: Oh, and oh my God. like they blow
1: up the frog and all that. So this is what it looks like, right? And I'm like, that's not going to explode, right? It's not going to explode. Like, we're going to be fine. No, no, no. It explodes right in front of me, like right on the side of the road, guts everywhere, you could see everything. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Just blew out the side of the deer's stomach. And I am still not over it. I did not eat that day. I just couldn't do it.
3: Oh, man. Did you get guts on you not or your vehicle by Luckily, chance? my
1: windows were rolled up. It was a little hot that day, a little spicy. Oof. So I had the air conditioning on. Um, but it happened to explode right like a car space in front of me or so. And so it ended up being okay for my car. Um, I did run over some of the guts and my car didn't smell the best for a hot second. But yeah, Uh. definitely not my favorite memory on the road. For sure, would pass on that if I could.
3: (laughs) That's, I've never really had an encounter with like wildlife like that on the road before besides like bugs, the bug recital in the summer that happens on a country highway, Marcus. Have you ever experienced something like that before?
0: Yeah, I did something that kind of traumatized the girlfriend. Uh, I had an old 1972 Chevy. I was driving down the back roads and uh, this little it was like a sparrow or a finch or something decided to try to just kind of dive bomb the truck. And I've seen this before, man. It did not take into account the antenna and the radio antenna cut the poor little thing's head right off. I mean, just we saw it. And I don't know why, but she looked out the back to see what had happened because the antenna was whipping. I knew what happened. She didn't. I mean, it didn't go full pinata like the one that Maria <laughs> saw, but it, it, was, <laughs> it,
1: it, that it was bad enough. Witnessed a, well, a bird being sliced in half.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I knew she wasn't for me because she couldn't take it. Oh, Like, right there then go. and there. It's Aww. just you got to be able to live with that type of stuff if you're going to come to my house and have an elk burger later. Amen. That's right.
1: Amen.
4: This is Unplugged. OTR on the 10-4 Network.
0: Welcome into Unplugged OTR. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, joining me on the show, a couple of my good friends. She once offended the kicker of the Indianapolis Colts live and in person. Maria, thanks for joining us today.
1: True story. And hello, everyone.
0: Now, Maria, as a four-wheeler, you're not a truck driver, obviously. So what brings you to your host seat on Unplugged OTR?
1: Actually, I have a family history of trucking. So my grandfather had his own trucking company back when I was, well, actually before I was born. And then when I was born, it was kind of dissolved at that point, but it's always been in the family. My uncle was a truck driver, that sort of thing. And so it runs deep in my blood, trucking.
0: Trucking runs deep through your blood. I love it. Joining us also on the podcast today, he's on me about watching Harry Potter movies. Meanwhile, I've seen Top Gun 76 times. (laughs) Caleb, what's up, my guy? Hey,
3: Marcus. It's good to be here. It's good to be on Unplugged OTR. I'm very excited to be here.
0: And uh, a fellow four-wheeler yourself, you've described yourself as a trucking nerd. Um, Is that what you're going to bring us on Unplugged OTR? Yes, I am I am a
3: trucking nerd. I wrote a paper in college for a class um, and it was really interesting because I was assigned to look at the supply and the demand of the trucking industry and I had hardly ever looked at the trucking industry before. And I fell in love with it. And now the best parts of my days are going down I-80. I live a half mile away from it and seeing the big semi trucks and almost crashing myself because I keep looking back and forth just to see them. Oh, you're a
0: rubber necker.
3: I'm a rubbernecker, yeah. We do also have you, the Harry Potter virgin, the Oregon Duck cheerin', the man, the myth, the legend. This is Mr. Marcus.
0: Marcus, how you doing today? I- I'm doing great. What an, a fantastic intro. Um, I-, I like to say this all the time. My mom says I'm cool, but Caleb made me feel cool right there, too. So uh, happy to be here I uh, I am also not a truck driver, uh, but I did spend um, my, my days growing up around some of the trucking industry. My dad was a manager of mills. I used to get on and annoy the truckers over the CB as a young guy, and uh, I'm just very excited to be here and bringing you all this awesome episode of Unplugged OTR. So thanks so much for joining us. Let's jump right in. Joining us on the program today is an owner-operator. Uh, he's been driving for H&M for over two decades. Please welcome to the program, Chad Jorgensen. How are you doing today, Chad? Great. How about yourself? Doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're talking about animal encounters on the road today, Chad, which begs the question, 20-plus years behind the wheel at H&M, uh, have you ever had an encounter with wildlife on the road? And if so, tell us about it.
2: Uh, Yeah, not probably in 20 years not a lot of times but i've had a fair amount of encounters that you don't really like to talk about i guess but yeah i've probably had most of them have been deer every once in a while you'll see a horse or a cow or something strange like that but most of the time it's uh it's deer strikes and it's usually this time of year this is a the prime time of the year for that
0: Right. Kind of see a little bit of an uptick in these uh, later winter months from what we've seen in our research. Now, um, you said sometimes it's wildlife, sometimes it's livestock. Uh, Do you have a little bit of a different feeling that bubbles up when it's livestock in the road over, you know, just the random deer? I mean, a horse, a cow, that's a lot bigger animal than a deer. Oh,
2: absolutely, and you will encou-
0: you know, encounter it if you drive long enough.
2: You're going to encounter it, especially in places like the Midwest. Chances are you're going to see a stray cow or farm animal of some kind on the road. Uh, deer, that's more to be expected. You don't like to see it, but and then running out west like we do at H&M, there's a lot of open range in Nevada, mm-hmm. states like that. But, and, yeah, I've seen uh, wild horses, moose. Wow stuff like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's more common than you think. Yeah. Talking
3: about where you, you, you uh, drive a lot with h H&M, you drive out West, you drive in the Midwest. Can you tell me where do you think you see the most wildlife near the road? Is there like a
2: particular state or region? Uh, I'd have to go with uh, Nevada, Utah. Okay. Would be the two states for the wildlife. Uh, deer, no doubt is uh, the state of Iowa right here where I live. <laughs> I won't hardly, uh, this time of year, I don't even like to drive at night. I believe that. Or even, you know, an hour before, hour before, uh, dusk or. Yep. Dawn and
3: dusk are the the most popular time for them to come out. So it's, it's definitely a little nerve wracking driving at those times when you're out in the country.
2: Oh yo, yo, yeah, absolutely. And I'd say Iowa's probably, I don't know from what I've seen on it, Iowa and I believe West Virginia might oh. be the two worst states for collisions i don't know if that's true or not with west virginia but iowa's got to be right up there could be yeah so the the pew research center
3: um they actually say west virginia is number one and iowa's number seven so Iowa's a little bit further down there but um still in the top 10 which is which is terrifying for those of us that live close to iowa such as me who lives in nebraska
1: (laughs) see in indiana we have a lot of deer but I don't know that we see as many as you might see. And you mentioned that you see a lot of that stuff when you're out driving, but have you ever actually hit any of, any of the deer, any of the horses, anything like that?
2: Deer, yes. I've had three or four probably claims with deer hits in 30 years.
1: And I assume you have a cattle guard on your truck.
2: Uh, no, I do not.
1: No. Okay, so you, you hit the deer just plain on the truck, no guard, contact.
2: Correct. Yeah, I don't. I've thrown around getting a deer guard, but I've never put one on. I I don't like the looks of them.
4: Uh,
0: oh, it makes sense. You don't want to cover up that beautiful front grill of the of the truck that you're driving. And and on top of that, when we're talking about deer, let's face it, uh, eighty thousand uh, pounds. That just sends a deer um, just absolutely flying, right? I mean, what's the, what's the worst damage you've had from hitting a deer? It can't be that bad.
2: Uh Yeah, it actually can. Uh, uh, the last the last May, uh, bad one was between Davenport and Dubuque. And actually, it was this time of year because the World Series was on. And I was trying okay. to get down to Walcott to watch the World Series. And I hit one uh, at 70 mile an hour. I mean, there was no braking, and no nothing. And hit the uh, front wheel, hit the air cleaner, the stat guard, the fuel tanks. Oh, wow.
1: Ooh! Oh, my God
2: the quarter fender and took out a chunk of drive tire. Whoa. And I think it was $15,000 of the damage.
1: Ouch. So I take it you missed the World Series that day?
2: Uh, I missed most of the game, yes. I didn't
0: get down there until it was just about over. <laughs> well, the deer missed the entire game, so yeah. you're, you're doing better
3: <laughs> than that. True that. That's right. When you say Walcott, do you mean
2: Iowa AD over there? Uh, yes. Love that truck stop. Yeah, the big truck stop. Yep, that's So a very good place for us over there to go to.
1: You Mm -hmm. said that there was all of this damage. The deer got into all these different pieces of the truck. Say when the animal enters the roadway, what is your protocol? Like, what do you do? What do you recommend other drivers do? How do you handle that?
2: Well, I think you don't, you you definitely don't want to leave the roadway. Um, breaking, breaking, you know, your first instinct would be breaking and, uh, trying to avoid it but i mean you can't obviously you can't wreck the truck or run into somebody else you're going to have to eventually you're just going to have to get through it and that would if you gotta hit one you gotta hit one i mean i don't recommend anybody hits one but i don't re- i mean you can't wreck the truck It would be the main thing right there absolutely it's not going to make you go in the ditch or nothing if you do run over it but now the the, the wildlife that could be a different story but
1: Yeah, that's true. Do you normally pull over if you hit something just to check things out right away and make sure everything's all right?
2: Oh, absolutely. You absolutely would uh, pull over and make sure everything's all right and it's at a safe place and, you know, don't endanger anybody else. Or
1: Absolutely. Is there like a form you have to fill out for the company when that happens?
2: No, being an owner-operator, it's just basically I deal with my own uh, physical damage insurance, so... Mm No, it would just be basically, that'd be on me.
0: Do you have a good relationship with your insurance guy? <laughs> I imagine those aren't very fun conversations. No, they're not, but pretty,
2: uh, you know, it's pretty common. You just, I guess you just deal with an adjuster and basically I just turn it over to a body shop or they usually got to hammer it out. But I, I haven't had any trouble on that end as far as th- that. This time of year, if you get, if you have a claim or something, and you call in. I've, I've usually always had the operator on the line say, oh, I'll bet you hit a deer. And
1: they you
2: already say, know. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really, you know, you know, at this time of year, like any you were talking about that, it's real calm, you know. It's so
3: mm-hmm. calm. And the- I looked up actually the number, and it's about 2 million wildlife accidents happen every year. But between October, November, and the beginning part of December, about 35% uh, of those are accounted for. So you're looking at over, you know, probably 500, 600,000. Wildlife accidents that happen.
0: Have you ever had a deer just run into you rather than running across in front of you? You hit it with the front of the rig. Like, have you ever had one just come crashing into the side of the truck? Because I've seen this happen a lot and I've always wondered you've got a lot more vehicle that has to clear past that deer that's very clearly not paying attention.
2: Other than the one I described where I basically hit it with the bumper and the the tire and then it went down the side of the truck. no, I haven't, and that that's interesting. You say that because even if you have a cattle guard on the front in a situation like that, that does that does you no good. I mean, and I have heard of other guys. Uh, you know, yeah, I've heard of instances where that has happened.
0: Yeah, they're not nature's smartest animal. There's no question about it. <laughs> True. Not at all.
2: No, and uh,
0: it, it's definitely
2: it's definitely interesting. And I don't know how you really avoid it, other than I guess you wouldn't you, you wouldn't drive at night. But I've hit them. I've hit them in the daytime with my personal vehicle. I've hit two during the daytime hours, you know, maybe the middle of the summer or middle of the winter, just in daylight hours. Not with the truck, but with my pickup I have. You really don't hear
3: about those as much just during broad daylight, but um, that that's really interesting. Oh, well, they're out there. Yeah, yeah definitely. There's, there's a ton of them.
0: So we've talked about uh, wildlife, obviously, and how crazy that can be. Um, but besides wildlife, we like to really dig a little bit deeper here on Unplugged OTR and uh, and and ask you about some stories that you might have come across. And uh, before I get into that real quick, I just want to say, if you're a driver out there listening, you've got some stories you want to share with us. You can do that by uh, leaving us a message over at say hi dot chat slash OTR. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but Chad, like, let's let's take wildlife out of the equation and just kind of take a view from a thousand feet up. What's the craziest thing you've seen while out on the road in your 25 plus years?
2: Oh, there's, there's, there's a lot of them. Uh, (laughs) We've got um, time. (laughs) I, well, it, I guess I wouldn't even know where to start on that. I mean, as far as uh, people you encounter, I I guess on the, on the good side of it, I guess it would be uh, uh, just helping people in general. I mean, people were they're stranded or they waitress is down on their luck uh at a when you're eating and a bunch of drivers get together and help them out um whether they'd have a you know a health condition or a sick kid or um there was a bunch of us down at uh Newton Kansas one afternoon that we pulled our money together and helped a girl that was a waitress down there and helped her. She had a sick kid and she was taking her kid up to Kansas city to the doctor. And we kind of pooled our money together and, and got her some gas cars and stuff from the truck stop, So she could, you know, get back and forth and stuff like that. I guess that's,
1: that's so uh, kind.
2: Yeah. I kind of look at more of the better stuff, I guess that
1: I like that piece of it that goes
2: on in the crazier stuff. uh, It's the brotherhood of trucking. It that's,
3: truckers come together and something people don't always get to see Um, but that's that's really special so i'm sure she appreciated that you you seem like you've run a lot of places in your in your years of trucking do you have
2: a particular favorite do you drive up to canada also by chance i think our van division at h&m still goes up into canada some but the hopper division i don't think we even venture up in there anymore i haven't been up there probably for over, well, I think I've been up there once since nine eleven. Um, okay, used to go up there every once in a while with onions out of California, but okay. we, we don't even do that. I don't think anymore. So I don't know if on the hopper side, I don't know if we even run up there anymore. Huh? Do you have a favorite place
3: in like in your in your years of trucking that you just you just love the lane so much, or that you just
2: wish you could drive still, or that you still get to drive? Do you have one of those? I'd have to say. My favorite state to drive in has always been for some reason it's always been the state of kansas i don't know
1: why oh i hear kansas is beautiful
2: yes it's i like kansas now
3: i'm saying that because i'm a nebraska boy and uh, (laughs) i it's it's where my sister lives so i get to go down there a decent amount but the flint hills out there um in kansas they're they're pretty gorgeous i think oh
2: yeah when you go down the
3: turnpike Mm mm-hmm they're just it doesn't seem as busy as other parts of this country so I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think Kansas is a, a underrated state to drive in.
2: Yeah. I think it's. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know why that is. I just, cause you could say, well, 54 is a kind of a pain to run down through down through all those towns and everything. But <laughs> I don't know. I guess I've just always liked Kansas. I don't know. They've always had fairly high speed limits and I've never mm-hmm. been hassled down there with, by any kind of enforcement of any kind. So They've always been kind of lenient on even on weight and stuff if you're a little overweight. But which I don't run around overloaded. But they've always just it, they've always just been good people.
0: I feel like I need to go to Kansas and party. It sounds like you might be yeah. able to get away with a few things down there.
2: Well, they say Kansas. I think Kansas University is one of the better
0: party schools. If you're, I'm a little old for that. But hey. yeah. rock chalk, rock chalk. Yeah. yeah.
1: Hey Chad, have you always been a hopper driver? Did you drive something else before hoppers? Uh,
2: yeah. I spent. Uh, five and a half years pulling the dry van for a a carrier out of eastern Iowa. Okay. And then another, another gentleman right here at home. In fact, he's right next door here to me. He has a livestock hauling company and that's how I got started was with him. And I decided that wasn't for me. That's how I got started. And then I pulled a well, I did a refrigerator trader for about a year and a half.
3: But now okay. you've been at h and m for i is it it's over two decades. How many, how many years exactly has it been? It was twenty three years, the first of uh, August. That's incredible. Oh, congratulations. Wow. twenty three years. that's that's right. wonderful.
1: How long have you been um, an owner operator?
2: Uh, twenty. It'll be thirty years next year.
1: Wow, Ooh,
0: Wow. 93. That's a great career. That's a great career that you've built. So tell me, uh, what is it about H&M that keeps you there? You've been there for, for so long now. You could go anywhere with your experience. What keeps you at h and M? I
2: I think it's the freedom of I can pretty much do what I want, um, the, the lanes, and obviously the pay is good. Uh, they're great people to deal with. I just have had very few problems here, and I like the hopper side because I don't have to do the warehouses and stuff like that and I've gotten used to it. And I I think it's it's more now that I've just gotten into a, into a groove. Like I say, the freedom of it and everything just kind of falls into place.
0: That's great. And how do you feel about John Witzke? He's a a very knowledgeable um,
2: (laughs) professional safety director. I would, I mean, he's, he's, he really takes his job seriously and he's fine. And I've, I've never really ever had a problem with anybody. They throughout their whole system or, you know any of their any of their people throughout the years. I've never really had a problem with anybody.
1: They seem to have a really great staff.
3: <laughs> yeah, they they seem to have a great staff. We're going to actually be talking to John later on in this episode, so we'll tell him we'll tell him that you you gave him a good word for us, okay?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, if you guys uh, do, you have anything else uh, for Chad here? I f- I feel like we've taken up quite a bit of his time at this point. Uh, any questions before we close it out? Uh,
3: the team, we just wanted to ask this one more question. The team has been debating, um, and I don't know, Marcus, do you want to ask this one? Uh,
0: the team has definitely been debating this for the last week, so I am wanting to ask you basically to give us, like, you know, your worst animal that you could possibly hit. Since this is the topic of the day, um, thinking through all of the stories that you've seen, experienced out on the road, what's the number one worst thing that could run across the road in front of you?
2: I would I would have to go with the... Uh Moose.
1: Ooh. Moose. A are,
2: I would have to go with I'd have to go with the big one. I mean
1: That would do the most damage. That would Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're big. Yeah, big I would creatures. Have to definitely go with that.
1: I agree with you. A hundred percent, Chad.
2: The deer Moose. is, you know, I I always always, you know, harp on the deer, but and most guys probably are, but I, you know, deer, it, it, I you hate to say it, but I mean, it's, it, you're going to, you're going to encounter, if you drive long enough and drive at night, and especially the states you mentioned, you know, or the Midwest, especially, you're going to, you're going to encounter one. I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. no way to get around it.
1: Absolutely. I feel like moose yeah. are less well, common than deer, but definitely the worst. <laughs>
2: oh they 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 no doubt are you know but and
3: that's part of running out west hopefully you never encounter a moose then we're our, our fingers are crossed for you um and your future years of trucking because i think that would probably be one of the worst animals to run into maybe an elephant but we don't have those here in america <laughs> too easily on the road so
2: good now unless the zoo gets out there you go <laughs> <Yeah. Zoom break. laughs>
0: Chad Jorgensen, he's been driving for H&M Trucking for over two decades, uh, an owner-operator over there with H&M. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chad, and we really appreciate the stories and all the knowledge. My pleasure, and uh, thank you. Awesome interview from Chad Jorgensen there uh, talking to us about his experience with wildlife on the road and much more. Uh, once again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you. Say hi chat slash OTR and tell us your story. Um, we are a part of a Facebook group on, uh, well, I guess most Facebook groups re- uh, reside on Facebook. So yeah, it's on <laughs> Facebook. <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm still new at this, you guys, but I, I we, we saw just a litany of comments about wildlife experiences over the road. And um, I just want to share with you some of these comments because I I want your guys' reaction and to talk about uh, some of these things that happened to these poor truck drivers out on the road. Um, Michael tells us that an eagle falling out of a tree at two in the morning and crashing through the passenger side windshield of your truck will definitely get your attention, especially when he didn't die immediately. Can you guys imagine Having the symbol of this great country fighting for its (laughs) life on your passenger seat while you're doing 70 miles an hour on an interstate at 2 a.m.?
1: I don't even know that my thoughts would be... Oh,
0: my goodness. You
1: know, together at 2 a.m. in the first place. But to have an eagle fall into your truck at this point, I think, you know, they say nothing good happens after midnight. I think that would fall into this category. That's terrifying.
3: Yeah, that would just catch my attention completely. I'd be so caught off guard. And... Also, isn't it like illegal to like kill ask. an eagle? So do you just have to let it just die, do or would it just be dying in the passenger seat? Do you like what do you do? It's illegal to kill an eagle.
0: Well, let's look at it from the other side. If you save this eagle, do you deserve a Purple Heart or like a Medal Ooh. of Honor? This is <laughs> this is America sitting in your dry in your passenger seat, and I feel like uh, some life saving efforts here ought to buy you a little bit of recognition. I mean, there's only so many of these things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Well, we 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 talked about it with Chad. Like, there's a ton of deer incidents, but an eagle is beyond me. Wow. I would like to yeah. know the
1: percentage of drivers that actually encounter eagles on the road because I feel like maybe Michael might <laughs> be alone in this instance, and or probably one of like five.
3: Well, according to my calculations,
1: oh. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. We don't have life. that ready to go for you this time.
0: No, uh, we, we talked a little bit in the open about, uh, Maria seeing an exploding deer. Now that one had been laying there for a little while and, uh, was, was exploding due to all of the, uh, the heat and the elements, um, Alex here on this Facebook thread says nothing too bad. I love how he prefaces this. It's nothing too <laughs> bad. Yeah, it is bro. Uh, he hit a snapping turtle that took up half a lane and duh, 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 the turtle exploded. As you might imagine, oh, he says, I've man. never seen anything like it. Chunks made it across the median. I was watching it happen in my mirror. So um, at some point in time, we should probably have Alex on to work out his trauma as well, because <laughs> As a, as a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, exploding turtles are a big 10 no Not coming from this dude.
1: Honestly, I'm starting to feel like we need a support group for exploding animal viewers. Like, that just seems <laughs> oh, like yeah. something we need to discuss.
3: I just looked it up. I didn't realize how big snapping turtles could get. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness! Huge. They can get up to, like, 40, 45 pounds. Like... Can you imagine that exploding? <laughs> but it's not too bad. It's not too bad. That's what that's what he prefaced it with. Yeah. It's not too what bad. Is bad. I
1: know. Like where's the bar for this? Where are we setting this standard of not too bad for exploding turtles?
3: See I well, tell you what, if anything happens with a snake, I'm out. I I just can't do the snakes. Just a little tiny snake? No, not not even. I can't do an exploding snake, a snake in the cab. Oh gosh! So no if I way. told
0: you that one driver uh, was was driving tandem and riding in a passenger seat when the driver of the truck uh, lowered his visor and a snake fell onto his lap, is that Mm-mm. the end of of Caleb's driving career?
3: Mm. I I would. Just hang up my CDL right there. (laughs) It's done. Holy smokes. I I could deal with spiders. I could deal with really any sort of animal or creature besides snakes. They just get me, man. They're they're tough.
1: What is it about snakes, Caleb?
3: I don't know. Like they're slithery uh, (laughs) and they just like, they just, they look gross. And like, especially you don't know if it's venomous or not too. That's That's like terrifying. Um, yeah. Oh, and they're a sign of Slytherin for all you Harry Potter fans, but Marcus is a Harry Potter virgin. So just like we talked about (laughs) in our intro.
0: Well, in Top Gun, there is one guy that's named Viper and he's one of the instructors at Top Gun and he's a damn good fighter pilot. So you know what? (laughs) Look, if we're going to get into Harry Potter, I got to bring back the Top Gun references. I don't know any (laughs) other way. Okay, buddy. You know, James here on the Facebook thread didn't preface by saying this wasn't bad. This one actually sounds particularly horrible, not only from uh, just an experience standpoint, but from a financial standpoint. It says the truck in front of me and myself hit a bunch of cows that got loose on Highway 30 no. in Nebraska. Ten oh, dead man. cows and two dead trucks. Um, it just happened to know that, you know, a, a cow, just a regular old cow might cost you fifteen hundred two thousand bucks for your farm but you're not just looking at that cow you're looking at the cow's lineage and how many other cows it might produce for you and how much milk or meat or whatever so 10 dead cows that's a that's a big that's a big hit on the bottom line for the farmer and then two dead trucks i don't want to be that trucking company either
1: and then there's all these questions that pop into my head about who's at fault and the trucks and the what happens next with the farmers and the insurance and the. that sounds like a hot mess
3: you said that was Nebraska? That was your your home state. Uh, it sounds like a Nebraskan thing. We have a lot of cows here.
1: Did you hear about that by chance, Caleb? Did you hear from the farmer?
3: <laughs> I didn't hear no. about that. We are a little bigger of a state uh, than you might think. Jeez <laughs> Louise. That Whoa. sounds like a Nebraskan thing, though.
0: It really does. And I feel like it deserves a hit on the local news. I mean, I know you're a big state, but I mean, is there, is there a lot going on? That's 10 cows. Like that's, that's a big deal. That's a big part of the GDP, man. The, the cow massacre is what we're going to call it. The cow
1: massacre.
0: <laughs> Let's see. I just have one more quick one here. Uh, this this guy, Jason, actually said that he hadn't had any experiences until the day that he left this comment on the Facebook thread. He said, I haven't really had any experiences until today, but I almost hit a wolf leaving Utah, about 10 miles or so east of the rest stop on i 80 Um, I had a wolf run out in front of me in my last hunting season on a logging road. I was only doing about five, but I was in a full-size pickup, and this was a dog that was easily as wide as my truck. Um, I mean, it's gotta be pretty crazy because wolves, especially over here on the West coast, like there's a few States like Utah and Colorado where you'd find them, but only recently in Oregon, Idaho, Washington, Montana, have we started seeing kind of an explosion in the gray wolf population. And I don't know if you guys have seen one of these things in person, they're huge, but they are massive. And I would imagine that would cause a, a pretty good chunk of damage to a truck. If you smoked a wolf at highway speeds.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
3: I can't say I've ever seen one, but uh, I know they're pretty large creatures, so can't imagine. I don't
1: know. Out here in Indiana, we're just like little coyotes, so I, I can't say that I've had too much experience with wolves. My dog is part wolf, and he's huge, so I can only imagine what a full-blood wolf.
0: Well, you know, they used to uh, they used to hunt them even back in the day uh, a long time ago. I, I believe that even sometimes wolves were hunted for food, which kind of brings me to the next topic here, which is did you guys know that there's about 30 states in the union where if you hit an animal on the road you can legally under certain circumstances keep the meat harvest it for yourself take it home put it in the freezer and uh burgers on the menu burgers on the menu this is I,
1: very beverly hillbillies
3: <laughs> i didn't know that about the 30 states uh wow that's crazy 30 states that allow that that's a wow. pretty
1: impressive number
3: there was there was a tweet uh years back that uh PETA uh, they released an article and I don't know how you feel about PETA but our PETA whatever you want to call it if you're fancy <laughs> they agreed that it's better to eat roadkill than this is their this is their quotes shrink-wrapped plastic packages of meat in the supermarket So PETA is encouraging us to pick up that roadkill on the ground, at least in those 30 states.
1: I'm wondering if it matters, though, like when you hit an animal. So previous experiences of living on a farm and having it hunted and things like that, watching deer be harvested you know shot hunted that sort of stuff when you gut a deer and look at the quality of the meat all the things that happen there i wonder what that's like with roadkill because the adrenaline and stuff that happens so fast so it really kind of must depend on how you hit the animal what kind of meat there is left like that that seems like such an interesting i don't know that i would be eating roadkill
0: Hot topic. Mm, I don't know if I could. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't. Um, I look just from like you said. I, I have a lot of experience hunting, mostly deer and elk, but also some you know some waterfowl uh, birds. I've seen the the damage that a a bullet or a, an arrow, a well placed one, can do. And you're talking about sometimes, you know, a volleyball to a basketball size of what we would call bloodshot meat. If uh, that you're not going to eat around where the wound is, if that wound comes from a 72 Ford Pinto, I would imagine that the damaged meat runs all the way through the one right. side of the animal. And in just in one experience where right after they passed this law in Oregon years ago, I had a friend that hit a deer with a, uh, with an old Ford, and, And he got out just to see, like, I want to see if there's something that I can harvest from this. It was completely destroyed. I I think that, um, First of all, PETA, I, I think, would look for any reason to tell you not to eat store-bought <laughs> meat, and even if you hit it with your Suburban, uh, they probably think it's better because it was natural causes, but I, I don't know. I'm out. That's
3: literally what they said, Marcus. That's literally what they That's said. That's so interesting. And I bring it up because they're a controversial, uh, controversial group, and so I just wanted to turn some heads while they're list- while you drivers are listening to this podcast.
0: Yeah. And tell us what you think about PETA. We'd love to hear it. Say hi <laughs> dot chat slash OTR. Uh, we would, we would love to hear all your thoughts. And also once again, if you have uh, a story to share with us, no better way to share it than leaving us a quick voicemail. Once again, say hi dot chat slash OTR. So, I, I mean, is that all three of us? We're all out. I, I'm, I'm not taking home anything that I hit with the Chevy. What about you guys?
1: No, I, I will say I do have a really good friend who, um, picks up roadkill not only for like hides and things like that but also for bones um it's a thing to have animal bones as decor and art pieces and things Hmm. like that um and so people will do that collect the bones do all the cleanup and everything like that just get it off the road which i find interesting but i'm definitely not that person
3: Wow, some really free Halloween decorations. No you could kidding. just get some bones that you could just put it all over the house, you know. No wow, lovely.
0: I know there's no video element to this podcast, but my jaw has just been hanging agape since you said decorations. Right. I mean, look, I guess it's one thing if you're going out and you're out in the wilderness and you find like a shed, like a really nice antler shed. That looks nice on the wall. But mm-hmm. if you're just roaming I-80 and you're like, this is the time that this deer got its clavicle shattered by a by a Chevy. I, I don't <laughs> see why I would want to have that you as You have decor. a memory
1: wall. Well, you know, like there's a piece to that. Like I have a wall piece in my house that I created that looks like a wall garden, right? It's got plants on it and things like that. And I have a half raccoon skull that's in the nature piece. That's just like a piece of like what a nature floor would look like, right? Like a, a forest floor. And so that I feel like there's like ways you can kind of classy put it into things that's not weird like you just grabbed you know a coyote off the side of the road and you hung its whole spine on the side of the I don't know like (laughs) if you put it in things maybe it's a little bit more decor but I know all the different tastes people find a way.
3: Yeah, I mean. I drive a toyota camry if i hit something with my toyota camry i'm not picking it up i know that <laughs> a heart can spoil as in as quick as 15 minutes and the intestines are messed up there's no way you can salvage that animal anyways uh can you imagine if y- you had a driver facing camera and you just load a deer up into your into your cab what what's dispatch gonna say in the morning to you can can you imagine
1: i want to know if you get to join the carpool lane
0: (laughs) that's only if you have a dead eagle or a dying eagle in your passenger Ah. seat that doesn't share your last Ah, name yes there's there's some special rules to that (laughs) <laughs> that
3: company better have a good pet policy because if you're bringing that deer into your cabin man that's man it
1: would be hard to that's, rescue that's a some roadkill in a cab because where do you put it, it? small fridge i mean you don't have like a lot i mean i guess a fridge is more than a, a four-wheeler has
3: yeah but don't put it on your bed either because you gotta sleep on that bed oh, so man. like where do you put it
0: <laughs> well here's how i will wrap this segment up is by saying um You know, Maria and I, legally allowed, we can go ahead here in Oregon and where Maria is in Indiana. If you feel the need to grab yourself, you know, a road roast, by all means, it's legal. Caleb, I better not catch you making road jerky because in Nebraska, you are not allowed.
3: What? Oh, my goodness. That's too bad. Darn it.
0: I'm just (laughs) kidding. I would never do that. I better call PETA, right? Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Joining us next on Unplugged OTR today, we have the safety director from H&M Trucking. He's been there just a little over two years. Pre- Please welcome to the show, John Witzke. How are you doing today, John? I'm
4: doing great. How are you doing today?
0: We're doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, we're talking about wildlife on the road today. And uh, is it true uh, that most wildlife incidents happen between October and December? That is correct. That is correct.
4: Uh, there is also a period in late February and early March uh, that the wildlife is active. And when we talk about wildlife, we're talking mainly deer. As you mentioned, the October, November, December areas are very active as well. So, yes.
0: Is there something about the uh, life cycle of the deer that that causes it to be during those certain windows in the year? Do you know?
4: Well, it's mating season during, you know, the October, November, December uh, month time frame,
1: Definitely. And, and with that, John, how do you recommend drivers handle those incidents when they're on the road? Is there something that you tell them as the safety guy, what they need to do?
4: Okay. So mainly, mainly deer strikes happen either at dusk or early in the morning at dawn. And what we can tell drivers is, is that, you know, during those times, slow down, be vigilant, look for, if you see one, there could be more. And if, for instance, if a deer runs out into the road, please do not by any circumstances, try to avoid the deer. You know, as much as we hate to maybe kill Bambi, (laughs) uh, we need to keep our, we need to keep our lane, keep it straight. Don't lock up the brakes. You hit the animal. Absolutely. I know that might sound terrible to some, but That way, you do not risk destroying your equipment, basically, getting in a wreck and causing more damage.
1: Absolutely. And we talked to a driver about that, actually, and he had the same advice.
0: (laughs) I had a friend back in high school, actually, John, that uh, swerved to miss a squirrel, went into oncoming (laughs) traffic, got T-boned, ended up in the hospital for months and... I think it's really important for for everybody, not just big rig drivers, but for four wheelers in general, to know um, it, it might really hurt your feelings for a few minutes, but it's not going to hurt your back nearly as bad as if you swerve.
4: That is that is true, and you know when you start looking at dollar amounts, when you start looking at the number of accidents that happen with an animal in a vehicle strike. I mean, you're looking at over a million hits, you know, any given year. And those, those hits cost into the billions of dollars in damage. So, you know, it's, it's better to take out the animal and then to risk actually damaging the equipment, you know, hurting, getting hurt, getting killed, whatever the case may be, it can be, it can be devastating the latter.
1: So as far as like keeping them from hitting things, like being vigilant on the road, is there something specific that you tell drivers other than in the actual instance that there is wildlife to prepare to look for wildlife and be more vigilant on the road?
4: Well, in in a lot of cases, there are a lot of these deer hits or a lot of wildlife hits will happen on rural, mostly happen on rural, not to say they don't happen on interstate because you know, with our video system that we have in our trucks, I've seen it on both. But, you know, mostly in rural areas, you will see signs that will say, you know, wildlife crossing signs and so forth. Be vigilant of those. I think the best thing a driver can do is, is knowing that they are going to drive, you know, at night or maybe in that early, early morning or that late evening, uh, just to know that, you know, reduce your speed. Reduce that speed somewhat and be on the lookout for uh, for animals. You know, you look at different states, a lot of states, you know, you may have like Pennsylvania, Ohio. You might have some of them back east and so forth where where the uh, wildlife runs, you know, quite a bit. Uh, but Iowa, Nebraska is the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get through the Midwest, you know, farm country, you're going to have wildlife that is going to be in that farming that farm fields and so forth looking for food and so forth and and that so you got to really be vigilant in those rural areas
3: yeah i've heard that deer deer dance together is a phrase that i've heard a lot um is it is it true that a lot of the accidents happen they might see uh they might see one deer and slow down but then they hit the second deer is that is that true does that have any truth to it
4: it is it is true um i know from my own you know, observation. I've seen one deer jump out in front of me, and then there's a second one. Um, we've had people miss deers, and then another deer will run actually right into the side of the truck. Oh man! Oh, wow! So <laughs> <That>
1: sounds awful.
4: <laughs> unfortunately, deers are not the smartest animals out there, <laughs> but they have. You know, if you see one, be prepared for multiple or an additional So,
0: one. as the safety director, you've heard somebody tell you before. Yeah, I got t boned by
4: a deer. Yes.
1: Okay. (laughs) Oh, no.
4: I Um, have heard a driver getting T-boned by a deer, and I've got the pictures to prove it.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Okay.
3: I know uh, a cattle guard or a deer guard wouldn't save you there, but does H&M have have them on their trucks usually, um, cattle guards or deer guards?
4: All of our vehicles are equipped with cattle guards. Okay. So, those cattle guards do help quite a bit. Um, That's the purpose of it, okay? Um, If a deer runs out in front, you know, chances are it's going to hit that. They're going to hit that area of the front end and it will save the radiator, the grill. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might get some cosmetic damage to some of the underneath and so forth, but chances are that vehicle will still remain operational.
3: Uh, another little thing that I've seen cars do sometimes, and I'm not sure if it's legit, but have, like, have you ever heard of people putting like deer whistles on their semi-trucks ever? Uh, yes,
4: I've heard of the deer whistle thing. Is that legitimate? We or do is not that have not. that on our vehicles. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I didn't think so.
4: I don't know if they are 100% effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's giving out a noise that you, we cannot hear, but a deer will pick up. So it may work. I don't know. I don't have any real experience with them.
0: Here's my only real experience with them. It comes from a completely different segment. Uh, I'm an avid uh, outdoorsman and and a hunter. And when I hunt deer, I'm as quiet as I can possibly be and they run as far away as they can. So it's counterintuitive <laughs> to me. I'm thinking if you want the deer away from you, you just got to be quiet, and muffle that engine noise, and then they won't be anywhere to be found.
1: Man, that seems to be the way, doesn't it, Marcus?
0: <laughs> well,
3: the Tesla truck is coming out. Well, who knows when? So maybe there's your chance. There you go. So when an h H&M driver does get in like a wildlife accident, who goes out to help them? Do they have to file a report, I'm, I'm assuming, but um, what does h H&M do for the
4: driver? Okay, so... On all vehicle accidents, whether it's wildlife, regardless of what the situation is, I'm notified. Okay. Okay. The shop then will get notified as well. So if it's a deer hit, if the vehicle is still operational, we'll have him take pictures, give me the location, tractor number, trailer number, uh, load number, location, time, that type of thing. We build if we build a a claim form. So, and that claim form is basically so that we can put all the invoices for the repairs into a, a single location. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then they would call and talk to the shop. If they have disabling damage, they would get a hold of, if it's after hours, they'd get a hold of Volvo Action. And in that case, Volvo Action would set up a, uh, probably a tow that they could go to the nearest uh, nearest dealership. Or nearest repair facility.
0: Now, I've heard uh, from time to time, John, that sometimes truckers think the safety guys are a little bit out to get them. Um, it, it, what do you have to say to that, as a safety director, somebody that deals with this every day? Is there a little bit of a stigma there that that you're the bad guy and they're just trying to keep out of your hair, or uh, do you guys have a good working relationship? What's what's your take on that?
4: Well, you know, safety has gotten a bad rap from a lot of uh, truck drivers that have, especially that have worked in mega carriers because they lose touch with who that driver really is. You know, there's a lot of carriers that say we're a family-oriented carrier. I really can honestly say that h m is that carrier. You know, early in my career I, I, with H&M, I learned that very quickly that we really do care about the driver and I care about what happens to that driver. When I'm in orientation, I let that driver know that, you know, the safety department walks a very fine line. Our main objective is to keep you productive, yet keep you compliant with the law, because we know that those wheels need to turn. We know that those drivers need to make money. We want to make money as a carrier, Mm -hmm. but there's also a cost to that, and we have to make sure that we're compliant so that we can make that money and keep those drivers compliant. A lot of drivers will say, how can I trust you? Or, you know, I'm a little bit leery of that safety department. I said, just look around at our operation. When you walked in, did you see offices with people behind closed doors? Did you see those types of things? No, I sat out on the floor. Dale Cook, who's our executive vice president, sets out on the floor. James Fonda, who's our president and owner, sets out on the floor. We have a very much open door policy. We talk to drivers as they come in. They feel comfortable with H&M. It's just how we're set up. So when I say that I really do believe that we are family oriented, I think drivers really find that out. That we truly are.
1: That's great. I can tell that's I awesome. want to drive
4: for H&M right Me now too. after hearing that.
1: Here we come, John. Are you yeah. ready?
4: Yeah. Well, uh, just make sure you got your CDL and everything looks good and we'll put you in a truck. <laughs> Deal. We,
3: we, don't, we do not have those, but we'll, can, can you make an exception, okay. maybe? Well, no,
4: can't have any exceptions. I mean, that's where the law is. I mean, when you think about it, the safety department's almost like the law enforcement of the carrier, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we're abiding by the law. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I tell them. But I said, if you ever have questions, if you need help, we're we're a phone call away. We're here to help you. We're here to support you. We don't want you to fail. If we fail you, if we fail the driver, yeah, and the driver fails, we fail uh-huh. as a company because we can't we cannot allow a driver to fail.
3: So when we've been talking about safety and wildlife now, have you, has any driver ever just hit something like, what's the worst encounter you've heard of a driver having with wildlife? It could have been a deer, it could have been a moose. I, I mean, we heard Chad Jorgensen talking about how moose would be the worst thing possible to hit on the road, but have you ever heard of anything like that happening?
4: I, I have, I'm glad you asked the question <laughs> okay. because I have heard of one. And it was before my time at H&M, but I also got involved in a little bit of the cleanup on the the uh, the claim side of it. What happened is is we had a particular driver that was on a rural area, highway, and in a free range zone. Oh no. okay. So you've got cattle that just <clears throat> wander out into the roadway. So the driver was driving in early morning, okay? And the sunlight got in the driver's eyes. Didn't see the cattle crossing the road for whatever reason. The driver did not maintain lane and just hit what was in the road. The driver veered off the road and took out about 15 to 20 cattle. Oh, my gosh. Laid the truck and trailer over, destroying not only the tractor, destroying the trailer and the cargo contents. Oh no. So when you say to hit the, stay, stay your lane, you know, you can try to stop lock up. I wouldn't advise that try to break hard as much as you can without losing control and hit the animal true. Hitting a cow or a moose or any of that sort may do some more damage than a deer. Okay, because they're heavier, quite a bit heavier.
1: Absolutely. Especially if you hit 15 to 20 of them, my goodness.
4: But to take out, to, to leave the roadway, to swerve, leave the roadway, that person not only endangered maybe other traffic, endangered themselves. Serious injuries can happen in a tractor-trailer accident of that magnitude. So you got to really, really be careful, you know. The, the natural instinct is to swerve, avoid, but you have to be, as you're trained as a professional driver, you stay steady, hold the wheel, take them out and hope for the best, okay? Yeah, My steer, goodness, steer straight, um, That's steer
3: straight.
1: Quite a story there, Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow.
3: It is quite a story. And so I wanted to hear, um, uh, we, we've been debating this a little bit over here at Unplugged OTR, but what do you think it could be any sort of animal would be the worst animal
4: possible that you could hit? It could be
3: an elephant for all I know, but what do you think?
4: Well, you know, I've heard of people hitting like a moose and and so forth or elk. Oh, an elk. Those are probably be, I mean, the cattle was enough to really do a lot of damage when you're looking at a several, you know, a few thousand pounds of steer out there and you hit that, but, you know, you know, when you look at a when you look at a um uh an elk, same amount of weight. You look at maybe a moose, same weight, elk, same weight, you know, all that is going to has the potential to do significant damage if you're not careful. So I would just say the only thing you can do is take it out. Take, take them it. out. Don't swerve. Take them out. Steer straight for stags is what we say over here. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes.
3: Steer straight definitely. for stags. Absolutely. Well, John, I want to I wanna thank you so much for your time today. Um, this has been such a great opportunity to talk to you, um, and we got to talk to Chad earlier as well. And so um, if we hope to see you back here on Unplugged OTR eventually down the road. And that was fun talking to John, guys. Uh, that, was, that was so much fun hearing John's his um, experience and his stories. I
1: love John. Yeah.
3: He is. And we got to talk about all these wildlife, all these animals with him. But I I wanted to ask you, you two, what's the craziest road crossing sign you've ever, ever seen? Have you ever even seen a crazy road, uh, a road crossing sign?
0: I have. Um, it, it, It's a little bit weird because it's not it's not on like a just a regular interstate that you would be driving, but. Um, there is, uh, a wildlife safari is what they call it over here in Oregon, where it's like a, it's an huh. open zoo that you drive through and you are just like, you're driving and all of a sudden there's just an ostrich pecking at your windshield, trying to get your, <laughs> your gummy worms or whatever out of the dash. And they give you little cups of food and the ostriches will stick their head right in and they'll eat the food out of the cups, but they do have ostrich crossing signs there because they don't want you to be flying through the, uh, the lion sanctuary and, blow up the world's biggest bird
1: i can't say that i've seen (laughs) um any kind of crazy animal crossing signs i think they might have one at our zoo similarly to marcus where we have a a butterfly exhibit and there might be like a butterfly crossing sign which is a little uh on the silly side of things but nothing out in the wild like uh, along an actual road i don't think i've seen anything other than deer
3: yeah i i see deer a lot in nebraska those type of crossings but I was actually in the Northeast a couple weeks back, and we were driving, and they had a turtle crossing. So for oh. that exploding deer story that we talked about earlier, they had, a, they had a turtle crossing for the exploding deer, for the exploding turtles, whatever. They had that covered. They had their bases covered. And then Maine apparently has the highest population of moose in the country besides Alaska, and so they had crossings on the interstate up there Pretty much every two miles, just to uh, warn you that moose, are they're prevalent up there, um, which talking to Chad earlier, uh, I know hitting a moose would not be a lot of fun.
0: So. No. Oof. Man, would be like running into a Jeep Grand Cherokee on the road out there. Those things <laughs> are huge. And to be honest with you, I, I think that seeing more than one moose crossing sign within just a couple miles, like you were saying, would start to get into my head. Like, why are there so many moose crossing signs out here? How often does this happen?
3: It's crazy. Well, you know how many moose there are in Maine. I looked it up with my dad because we were so surprised there are forty to fifty thousand moose in the state of Maine. Wow!
1: I've never even seen a moose in person, so that blows my mind. There's
3: only one. There's only one point three million people in that entire state, so there's a lot of moose in that state for regarding how many people there are, really.
0: So it is actually kind of likely that you might hit a moose should you be a resident of Maine. If you're driving in Maine every day, the the chances you're going to hit a moose, they're up there.
3: They're, I mean they're up there compared to most other states because Maine's not like that big of a state either so I can't imagine in America we don't even get to see some of the craziest road signs I was I was looking up some of the crazy road signs from uh, other countries internationally Namibia Africa they have elephant crossings can you imagine you just turn in the corner and then you just see like a, a large elephant just sitting right there?
1: My question becomes if you're in a four-wheeler at this point, And there's an elephant crossing sign. Do you just like drive real slow and drive under the elephant? Because you're not. I mean, you hit an elephant, you hit its leg and you're like, you're bouncing off the elephant. You're, you're not, your car is done. The elephant's like, oh, that kind of hurt. You know, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Am I the only one thinking that maybe? I mean, elephants are really smart, right? Can we put like an Isuzu trooper crossing sign in the elephant road? Because oh. I feel like that's like <laughs> one of those two things is not coming out of it looking very good. And my guess is the elephant isn't that one.
1: Flip it on them. They are yeah. smart, they remember everything.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And then like Australia
3: has kangaroo crossings as well as koala crossings. And, uh, camel i didn't even realize there was camels in australia but they also have camel crossings
0: in Australia. at can you imagine so. hitting a
1: camel like what would that's that... like a
0: moose <laughs> with 60 gallons of water in its gut no like, kidding. It's just... yeah.
1: i wouldn't yeah no no thank you to the camel
0: and uh, it'd probably spit no on you if you didn't kill it you get out to check on it like i'm sorry joe camel and it just spits well, in your face like, i'm wondering if, I'm if the kangaroo gonna here.
1: fist fight you like you hit a kangaroo and he's ready to go
3: yeah It's crazy. And they also have wombat crossings in Australia. What even is a wombat? Anybody know?
1: Aren't wombats pretty small? Aren't they? They're they're pretty like medium to small animals that are more on like the, I don't know, would you say, Marcus, that they're more like a groundhog shaped animal?
0: Yeah, yeah. Smaller uh, even than like a raccoon, which amazes me that they've got signs because, you know, raccoons lay along the highways just like ornaments. And uh, if they're going to have wombat crossings, you would think, okay maybe they have a lot of wombats running into the road. And before we get too far away from it, how do you sleep at night after you hit a koala?
1: You can't. I'm never sleeping again. You can't. They're so cute forever plagued well
3: if you're a trucker in australia you seem to have to deal with the most at least um everything's trying to kill you though in that country it seems like Uh, whenever i see like have you ever seen spider seas in that country it is mortifying they also have a lot of snakes too and we know how i feel about snakes
1: yeah no thank you to the snakes
3: one last one that i'll say tell you all about uh they have a howler monkey crossing in Belize.
1: Oh, wouldn't you hear them first? No kidding, those things are loud.
3: They're loud, but they're kind of terrifying creatures too. Like they go after your face that they know, they're smart enough to know that when they're going up against a human and the human is threatening them, they go after your face and they tear your eyes out. So oh my um, God.
1: this is why monkeys if, terrify me. I'm yeah. not a monkey. If you don't like snakes, monkeys are the top of my list.
3: Wow, monkeys. Well, don't go to Belize.
1: And it's not all monkeys, but definitely monkeys in a general sense. They're just too human-like.
0: That's what I think would mess me up if I hit one, is it like I just see this thing standing up on two legs and looking at me right before I plow into it. And once again, don't know that I'm sleeping after that. It's (gasps) too close to me, you know? It's like a couple clips of DNA away from being a Marcus standing there. Well,
1: speaking of seeing something on two legs standing in front of you, Um, I lied to say that I have not seen a weird crossing sign. There is a crossing sign in my town for Bigfoot.
3: Wait, actually?
1: Yes. And I don't know. Now, I can't say that the state encouraged this. This could be just some random Joe Schmo. But there is a Bigfoot crossing sign. And I cannot imagine hitting Bigfoot.
3: Just bring some beef jerky and you two can be friends, even if you hit them. So there
1: you go. Yeah, that's,
3: that's all you need.
0: Don't let this be an indictment on the leadership of Indiana. But if it wasn't uh, the people that run the state that decided to put that sign there, I don't think you're getting my vote next, next voting cycle. <laughs> I think that you need to be doing <laughs> yeah. things like that. More like, Bigfoot you know, crossing
1: uh, signs, please. Yeah.
0: I mean, let's have a little fun with it. We've got all these state funds. Let's spend them on something that makes me smile.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: Yeah. Well. If you'
3: if you're an American trucker, an Australian trucker or whatever, if you're seeing a Bigfoot sign, we'd love to hear if you have seen any other signs out there that we haven't mentioned. And so leave us a voice memo at say slash otr Again, say it with me everybody. That's say slash otr. Thank you all for listening to Unplugged OTR today on the Ten Four Network. If you love this episode, please subscribe to future episodes because we'll be releasing them weekly in the coming future. Be on the lookout for any wildlife since we talked about it this week. And we know that October, November, and December are high, high wildlife months. And so please be extra careful and extra vigilant um, and stay safe drivers, um, whether you see a turtle crossing or a deer on the highway. And a special thanks to Chad and John for sharing their insights. This is Unplugged OTR, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Goodbye.
4: Thanks for listening to Unplugged OTR. Remember to tell us your stories at sayhi.chad forward slash OTR. Again, that's sayhi.chad forward slash OTR. Or find us on the 10-4 Network social media channels. If you want to hear more about driving jobs at H&M, find them at hmtrucking.com or on Facebook. Tune in next time and keep the shiny side up, drivers.